Good morning from Stanford Christian Church. My name is Pastor Jeremy, and today I want you to see things like God sees them. I want us to see our sin like God does. We like to talk about sins, and we usually are talking about other people's sins when we do. I want us to see our disobedience like God does. We are like Edwin Cooper. He was famous across America, yet almost no one really knew his name. Coming from a family of circus clowns, Cooper began clowning at age nine, performed as part of Barnum Bailey Circus, and became on television in the 1950s as Bozo the Clown. At the conclusion of each show, Cooper had a message for his viewers, get checked for cancer. The problem is Cooper was so busy working that he didn't follow his own advice. By the time his cancer was discovered, it was too far progressed to be treated. Edwin Cooper died at just age 41 from this disease that he had warned so many others to watch out for. Today, we continue the story of King David. May God use David's story to show us our sin and call us on to a better way. We're going to be hearing from 2 Samuel chapters 11 and 12, but we'll start in 2 Samuel 11 1. In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to do battle, David sent Joab with his officers and all Israel with him. They ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. It, it happened late one afternoon when David rose from his couch and was walking about on the roof of his king's house. That he saw the, from the roof a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. David sent someone to inquire about the woman. It was reported, This is Bathsheba, daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. So David sent messengers to her, and she came to him, and he lay with her. Now I want you to pay attention, because verse 1 says, In the spring of the year, the time of year that the kings go out to battle. So there was a season that was good for fighting, and when it got to be that time of the year, the battle was on. That's the way it worked. The weather was good for it, I guess. It was the time of year when the kings go out to do battle, but David did not go out to do battle. Instead, David stayed home in Jerusalem. Now, that was not normal. David had always gone to war until now. Now, remember, the Israelites still have a command from God to take possession of the promised land, all the land promised to Abraham, and they still have not done it. But this time, David did not go out and lead and fight with his men as he had always done before. Now, it is not by accident that it is pointed out that this is the time that kings go out to battle, and oh, by the way, Israel's king is still at home in Jerusalem. Now, we need to see this because we often focus on the wrong strategy for fighting sin and following Jesus. Do nots are poor defenses against sin. Doing for the Lord, focusing on Him, is a mighty weapon against temptation. When you are focused on following and knowing God, then there's no space in your life for the enemy to attack you when you're focused on Him. If David had gone out with his army and led them as he had always done in the past, there would have been no occasion for this sin. David was idle at home and not focused on serving the Lord, and sin found his, its foothold there. He saw Bathsheba, brought her to the palace, and slept with her, while her husband Uriah was off fighting. Now, this story is going to highlight the difference between David and Uriah. Uriah is off fighting for God's people while David is laying around the palace. 
The story gets even deeper when Bathsheba learns that she is pregnant. So she tells David, and he fears being caught in adultery. So as is common, one sin leads to another. He comes up with a plan. David brings Uriah home from battle, hoping that he'll have sex with his wife, and everyone, including Uriah, will believe the child is his. However, when Uriah comes home, he refuses to enjoy the pleasures of home while his men are in the battle. He wants to get back to them as quick as possible. Now, I wonder if this stung David's heart, because that is the attitude David should have. That's where he should have been. We are supposed to notice the difference between David and Uriah's positions towards the battle and their brothers-in-arms. When that plan fails, David falls deeper. He commands Joab, the commander of the armies, to put Uriah in the front where he will die in battle, and it happens. A sinful man murders a righteous man to cover his sin. David marries Bathsheba, and the child is born. David thinks he has got away with it. You might think you've got away with it. No one will know, right? We pick the story back up at the beginning of chapter 12. Starting in verse 1, it says, The Lord sent Nathan to David. He came to him and said to him, There were two men in a certain city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had very many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing but one little ewe lamb, and he bought it. He brought it up, and it grew up with him and his children, and it used to eat of his meager fare and drink from his cup and lie in his bosom, and it was like a daughter to him. Then there came a traveler to the rich man, and he was loath to take one of his own flock or herd to prepare for the wayfarer who had come to him. So he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for his guest who had come to him. Then David's anger great, was greatly kindled against the man. He said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die. He shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing, because he had no pity. Nathan said to David, You are the man. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. I anointed you king over Israel and I rescued you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your bosom and gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I would have added so much more. Why have you despised the word of the Lord to do what is evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. And now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house, for you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, I will raise up trouble against you from within your own house, and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor, and he shall lie with your wives in broad daylight, for you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and in broad daylight. David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan said to David, the Lord has put away your sin. You shall not die. When you do fall, go to God for healing and forgiveness. When David goes to God, he puts away his sin as its punishment is no more. Jesus paid the penalty for your sin on the cross. The scripture says that they are at the bottom of the sea. They are gone. Go to God and confess your sin. Trust in the forgiveness of Jesus. And just like the woman caught in adultery, he will look at you and say, Go and sin no more. We can have great hope in the fact that David is lifted up by God, that he is called a man after God's own heart. 
that his name would be used to define the throne that Jesus sits, and yet he had done such terrible things. David is not defined by sin. Instead, he is known for his connection with God, his willingness to bear himself openly and honestly to God and to come to him when he had transgressed. Confession and repentance are two essential parts of the Christian life. Confess your sins to God. It's also a biblical idea to confess your sins to those you hurt with your sin and to your brothers and sisters in Christ. These can be healing practices. If you're having trouble forgiving yourself or getting past something, or if you feel like you need to do something to make it right, confess your sins to people. I think this generally looks like saying, I'm sorry. That's what confession is. Say, I'm sorry to God and to those you have wronged. Now, Zacchaeus is a great example of confession and repentance. Luke 19, 1 through 10 tells the story. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, He has gone to the guest of, to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Do you hear his confession acknowledging his sin and willingness to make it right and pay it back? Continues in verse 9. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. A healthy Christian repents of sin. This means to not only grieve our disobedience, but to turn around and go the opposite direction. Now, people love to talk about Jesus saying, He who had no sin should cast the first stone. But that very story ends with Jesus also saying to the woman, go and sin no more. Those who belong to Jesus will at times fall. We're human. We still have that flesh. We're a work in progress. But what is important is that those who belong to Jesus will also repent when they do sin. They'll come back to God. Now listen to this. We do not repent to get God to love us. We repent because God loves us. David did not die for his sin, but there was great consequence. The child conceived in sin died days after birth. Now, I don't really understand. I can't lie to you. It seems wrong in my mind. I can't escape that. But I also know that I don't know everything. I don't see everything. I acknowledge that my understanding and wisdom are finite and flawed, but God sees it all. He knows all the details. He is perfectly wise and good, and I trust him that he is good and right in everything he says and does. So the point you need to take away is that sin has consequences. There's a price to pay. Now, there are normal consequences to our sin. What God has commanded us to do is is because it is bad for us. Uh, What God has commanded us not to do is because it's bad for us. There are bad outcomes to these actions. Now, remember, 
He loves you and desires your good and therefore leads us to love in a way that promotes our peace and joy. Lying, stealing, adultery, murder, idolatry, all these things that God speaks against in this world lead to bad consequences. That's on full display in this season of David's life. God's mercy and grace are also on full display. Now, the Lord has put away your sin. You shall not die. Jesus died on the cross to put away your sin so that if you believe in him, you will not die. You will no longer be separated away from him and die the eternal death of separation from him. If if you believe in him, your sin has been put away. Now go and sin no more. If you have not received him, accepted his message as truth, and submitted him to your Lord and King, as your Lord and King, put your faith and trust in him. Confess and repent. Believe in him. We are here to help you know and follow Jesus. Come and talk to me or someone that follows Jesus, and we can help you. If you're a believer already, but you have sin hiding out in your heart, confess it and repent of it. Because Jesus has already paid its price. It's already given you victory over it and secured for you a life that is so much better. Do it because you love him and are grateful to him for, the, for redeeming you and adopting you into his family and kingdom forever. Thank you so much for listening to Stanford Christian Church today. Once again, my name is Pastor Jeremy. If you would go to our website, www.stanfordchristianchurch.com, and uh, you can learn more about our church. Also, click on that Contact Us tab. Just let us know you're listening. Uh, any prayer requests, any ways we can help you out, just let us know that. Once again, that's www.stanfordchristianchurch.com. Also, on November the 20th at 5.30, we will be having our gathering uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, and so that night you can come uh, and enjoy a Thanksgiving meal. You can either pull up out on the curb, we'll come out, find out how many meals you need and bring them out to you, or we are going to have, uh, it, we are going to be eating inside where you can come in and fellowship and spend some time with us. So either one of those options are open. Once again, that's November the 20th at 5.30 p.m. That's a Sunday we will be having uh, the gathering Thanksgiving. So come and join us that day. As always, have a great week. Love God, love others, and tell somebody about Jesus.